Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready, here, ready, here, ready, here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Bonnie in the house. So happy to be here. What a special show we have for you today. Come on, the world is emerging from a year plus of what? OMG, seriously? Shutdowns, panics, pandemics, all kinds of issues. And we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm going to say, let's drink to success. Let's drink to survival. Let's drink to life. And the show is about beverages today. And I'm going to give an intro, but I have to say that one of my very special guests who's always on our beverage-related shows, Lisa Allen, is back. And Lisa's my lucky charm because when Lisa's on, we always are successful at live streaming. So I want my panel to all say hello to LinkedIn. Everybody say hi, LinkedIn. And everybody say hi, Facebook. Okay. And hi, Voice America Business Channel. There we go. We got that out of the way. So let me give you a couple of intros and then we'll talk about what we're really going to be discussing today. This is kind of an adult show. There's nothing X-rated, but you would probably need to be of legal age to drink what we're talking about. So here's a quote I found from Lynchpin SEO, and Lynch is spelled with an I, not a Y. So here it is. The alcoholic beverage industry is not known for being stagnant. Significant changes and surprising trends emerge every year. Listen to this. The best-selling cocktail of 2019 was the old-fashioned, and somebody's going to tell us what the ingredients are in that. Sake, sake from Japan, no longer just popular in Japan. It's making its way around the world. Craft beer, not just a niche anymore. Whiskey, high-end spirits, ready to drink. That's called RTD, and we're going to learn about that today, are gaining in popularity. Wine is going beyond the bottle. We'll find out what that means. And buying alcohol online is becoming more popular. That's my first buzz quote. Second buzz quote, 2021 is likely to be a transition year for the U.S. beverage alcohol category, predicts online retailer Drizzly, and they spell that with one Z. Pandemic trends will persist amidst a slow return to pre-COVID life, while up-and-coming categories such as RTDs, ready to drink, and Mezcal, we have to find out what that is, will continue to grow, and that's from BeverageDaily.com. My panelists are smiling. Let me tell you who's with us today. Lisa Allen at Wine Insight. Lisa, it's always a joy to have you on, and you always help put together wonderful panels. Everybody wave when I introduce you. Lisa, wave hello to everybody. There you go. Everybody remembers you, of course. Mary Guyver is with us from Whole Foods. Mary is in a in a. a where are you in a in a cellar in a cask? Where and where is that? I know I know it's not real, but Mary, where is this situated scene we're seeing from you? This is a, a fooder cellar of extra large barrels at Rodenbach Brewery in Belgium, which is one of my favorite breweries in the world. Thank you very much. So you're you're virtually coming to us from Belgium, and we know it's not real, but it looks wonderful. Thank you very much. We have Andrew Rodbell at Post Meridium Spirits. Andrew, say hello. Where are you calling in from, or where are you Zooming from today? I'm actually Zooming from our headquarters here in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. Durham yeah. says hello to Atlanta. There you go. If I look out the window, you'll see the curly red hair and the flower. That's me. Hello, right. Andrew. Hello. Okay. Right. And joining us, the fourth person on the panel is Nicola Conran. She is at the Omaha Brewing Brewing Company, and I know she does work for several other brewing companies. Nicolette, say hello. Hello. 
And you are here by the good graces of Stephanie and Robert Lee, who couldn't make it with us today because of being somewhere where there was no bandwidth. And we appreciate that. And, and what other companies do you do marketing for, Nicolette? Uh, I do marketing for Traveler Brands, which is a CBD beverage company, as well as um, Omaha Brewing Company. We make a spiked seltzer. So we have a separate branding marketing area for that. See, I told everybody it's an adult show, just about what we're drinking, <laughs> but I, I don't know. The kids are probably going to sneak in on this one. So we are live here on Technology Revolution. We'll talk a little bit about tech, but mostly about beverages, and this is going to be really interesting. Lisa, this is the first time I've done this type of topic, and you and I talked about it. We have one coming up, uh, I think another one coming up in a couple months on some other kind of beverages. So you're always coming back with interesting, everybody wants to drink something, and we want to feel good when we drink. So let's do the round of introductions. Lisa Allen, let's pretend there are maybe 2.3 people in the world who don't remember you from the <laughs> last time and the time. Just shame on them. They they have to either start drinking or stop drinking. No, no aspersions <laughs> being cast here. So Lisa Allen, I'm going to put you on full speaker view. Would you please reintroduce yourself to my global audience? Tell us what you do and what's your passion. How did you get involved in the beverage industry? Lisa, welcome back. Thanks so much, Bonnie. It's great to be here uh, once again and uh, hopefully again in the future. You know, I've been in the beverage industry for over two decades at this point, and perhaps like a lot of other folks on you know this panel and previous ones, we kind of find ourselves here. I don't know if we all kind of seek out uh, a job in uh, adult beverage, but we find ourselves here and then we sometimes just never leave. I've spent most of the time on the wholesale side of the industry, uh, ensuring that there are no thirsty people is kind of my motto. And I've done most of that work uh, here in my home state of Georgia. Uh, I took four years, I was in California uh, doing the same work on, and I've done it on behalf of very small family-owned brands from you know, states around the world and also some of the biggest California brands uh, that this country has and some of the pioneers of the industry. So it's been really exciting to see literally, you know, the full scale and full spectrum of, of, of wineries. Um, and more recently, I'm starting to kind of try to be part of the future of the industry and really working on some of these alternative formats, cans, kegs, um, other alternative beverages like hard seltzer and CBD water. Some of these things are just really, really exciting. Not that wine's going away uh, in my life or in anyone else's life, and I'll continue to really work on behalf of building brands and in partnership with great retailers like Whole Foods. Um, Mary, you don't, you and I don't know each other, but Doug Bell and I go way, way back, and he's a big part of my success in this industry and bringing me some really great brands early on in my career. And so, you know, I, I, I value you know the partnerships both back on the supplier side and then forward on the retail uh, and restaurant side as well. So uh, it's really fun to kind of sit kind of in the middle and be the glue in the industry to some extent and excited again to be here today and talk about some of the new emerging trends that really have shaken the, the adult beverage industry um, in some ways probably for, for a permanent change. Thank you, Lisa. Always, always a pleasure. I always learn so much from you. And thank you for mentioning Doug Bell, who introduced me to Mary Guyver. Mary is new to the show. Mary, welcome. You're at Whole Foods. Well, we know you're somewhere else right now, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Mary, please do us the honor of introducing yourself. Tell us what you do. How did you get into the industry? And what does this all mean to you? Mary Guyver, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And, and thank you to Doug, the, the legend himself, Doug Bell, for uh, introducing us and giving me the opportunity. Um, my, my technical title is a global principal category merchant. I oversee beer and spirits for, for Whole Foods nationally. Um, I have been in many different seats in the adult beverage side of the Whole Foods world. I started um, 
And it must have been about 12 years ago. I was, um, I had been with Whole Foods already. Long story. I ended up working in what we call our specialty department in the Oakland, California store where um, I was living at the time. And uh, I was going back to school. And <laughs> I, I discovered that there was a person on our team who had the title of beer buyer. <laughs> I was basically like, that's a job. <laughs> like, I, want, I want that job. Um, so I kind of promised myself that once I was done with school, I was going to go play uh, as the beer buyer in that store. And I did. And that was right when craft beer was really hitting its, its like crescendo, um, especially in Northern California. Um, amazing craft breweries coming out of there. So it was a really fun time to get into all of that. And uh, eventually became the regional buyer for the Northern California region for beer, wine and spirits, which it's a fantastic region for all three of those things. Um, ended up coming to Austin for a special project with Whole Foods and then uh, about two years ago stepped into this role. So it's been an evolution as our, as our organization looks towards the future of what adult beverage looks like, what grocery looks like. Um, I'm really excited to be a part of it and be able to, to represent a lot of the brands out there uh, in the retail landscape. Thank you very much. Mary, do me a favor. Would you level set for me spirits? What are we talking about spirits? I, I think most people know, but just in case, what sure. falls into the category? Go ahead. Sure. We're talking liquor, right? Things like whiskey, tequila, vodka, but we're also talking about anything that has a base that's made of a distillate as opposed to something that's brewed or fermented like a wine or a beer. So if something's distilled, um, and it's put into a cocktail that is then flavored and it's in a can and it's ready to drink or an RTD, um, it's considered a spirits-based mm. beverage because it has a, a, an alcohol base that's made from a distilled product rather than a brewed product. Thank you very much. I feel educated already. And let's move on to Andrew Rodbell. Andrew, happy we got you to put some branded products up there so we can see Post Meridium. Yeah. And I want you to please do me the honor of introducing yourself. Andrew, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. And I appreciate uh, the, the ability to talk to y'all. Um, overall, yeah, I have come from corporate America, uh, being in Atlanta. Um, yes, I spent a good part of my career at Coca-Cola doing you know, traditional brand marketing and new product development, but doing something on my own has been a, a you know, new venture. So I've been working with a, a close friend who turned out to be my business partner, and we decided we wanted to get into the whole ready-to-drink spirit-based category. So I'm happy to tell you a little bit more about that later. But long story short is we uh, are the first people to make authentic cocktails and put them in 100 ml cans. And what we do is... Uh, Real spirits, real ingredients, right proportions, and full strength. And so we feel like we're disrupting this category, but I'm happy to tell you more about how the category is growing and how it was right for disruption and how consumers are coming towards it. But getting back to me, uh, just uh, this has been a passion for me for a lot of ways and to build my own brand and to you know, start from scratch and build my own company. I certainly have more, learned more in the last four years than I ever did in 20 plus years in corporate America. So it's been a fun road and, a, and I really enjoy getting to know this new category, which is liquor in a way that I never thought I'd ever get to know it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Very, very interesting. They, uh, the question often pops up, Andrew, and everybody is, when is a good time to start a business? And the answer is right now, whether <laughs> it's a recession, whether it's a depression, whether it's a boom market, whether it's a bear or a bull, the answer is right now, if you have the passion and the means and you're smart enough to figure it out and whether, and you've certainly been through an interesting, I don't know whether it was an upturn or a downturn for you in the past 16 months, Andrew, but Andrew, you said that your beverages, I'm looking at some cans, mm -hmm. I think I see half of the word old fashioned, I think I think I see yes. margarita. You said 100 ml 
containers. Can you translate that to me as far as, so is that one, one drink? I have a, yes. uh, I have a fancy glass here. This is just grape juice, kids. I, they don't let me drink on the air. They don't really yeah. know or care. But anyway, <laughs> Andrew, would, would one of those fit into this glass? So yes, uh, this is the standard what a cocktail. So if you went to a bar and you got a tumbler, they would pour you 3.4 ounces, which is 100 ml. So that's what this drink is. So we'll talk about old fashions later, but old fashions is three ounces of bourbon, uh, some bitters, a little uh, simple syrup, maybe a dash of uh, kind of like an orange to kind of create a little uh, garnish. Mm-hmm. And that's the entire drink. Um, and it's meant to be just, again, a way to elevate to the bourbon that you already are drinking. Yeah. And it was the most popular cocktail in 2019. It looks right. like it could be, again, very interesting. Yes. Thank you, Andrew. Pleasure cool. to meet you. And now we have Nicolette Conrad. Nicolette, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Talk to the audience. Talk to LinkedIn. Talk to Facebook. Talk to the world. Tell us who you are. How did you get into the marketing field in the beverage industry category, however you want to position it? Welcome, Nicolette. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been in the hospitality realm, uh, I mean, since I was old enough to get a job. I started running restaurants and then kind of managing bar programs in Florida. Just kind of graduated along that road and found my niche in craft beer uh, pretty quickly as we talked about the crescendo of craft beer. That was that was right in my peak and started getting involved and started uh, working with different breweries. I uh, have lived in a couple of different places and kind of brought my expertise along with me and landed me uh, here with Omaha here in Georgia. And um, uh, really I've done a lot of different areas of the brewery world, uh, mostly focused in sales and distribution. But as we know, COVID changed a lot of things for a lot of people. And one of those people was me. (laughs) So I kind of took a crash course and, uh, doing heading up our marketing and kind of seeing what we could do uh, from home where everybody kind of transitioned into that area. I kind of had to do the same. So um, it's a new fun little realm and I've, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Thank you. And we're so glad. And, and uh, thank you to Stephanie and Robert, as I said, who couldn't make it. And, and we needed a panelist and Stephanie said, I know Nicolette will do it. She'll join the panel and you did on very short notice. So we're very, very pleased that you're taking the leap of faith. I appreciate that. Thank you, Nicolette. Thank you for being with us. We're looking forward to hearing your predictions as well. Now is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me quotes that Lisa Allen's supposed to have absolutely nothing to do with the topic, but I'm giving you a pass on this because Lisa picked a quote from a movie that has the word alcohol in it. And we don't usually do that. But the quote was so great that I'm allowing it Lisa, I didn't say a word. So here, the quote is from the movie Roger Dodger. It's a 2002 American comedy drama that explores a relationship between, this is an adult show, men, women, and S-E-X. What can I tell you? Starring Campbell Scott, Jesse Eisenberg, Isabella Rossellini, Elizabeth Berkeley, and Jennifer Beals. Everybody remember her from Flashdance? Yeah, mm-hmm. she's still around in some capacity, not dancing, I don't think. Lisa, here's the quote you picked, and this is It was so delightful, I didn't say a word when you said it. So alcohol has been a social lubricant for thousands of years. What do you think? You're going to sit here tonight and reinvent the wheel? I gave it a little New York accent there. Lisa, how'd you find this one? Talk to me. You know, I, this is sometimes the hardest part of your show, Bonnie. I'm not sure if the other panelists would agree, you know, again, to kind of feel authentic and creative and, you know, witty, uh, but again, on, you know, on topic, if you will, to some extent, uh, again, without slight playing uh, those word games and you can't, or charades, you can't say the word. Uh, so 
Um, but it, 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 you know, it is a quote I think that's great about this industry because there is so much that's you know again new. But you know, even though all these emerging categories that we're going to talk all about today, from craft beer and RTDs and hard seltzers and CBD beverages, you know, they are all new. But a lot of them have existed for quite some time and just they're ex- you know extremely popular right now. So you know, sometimes I think in the industry, you know, we all take credit for kind of re- literally trying thinking we've reinvented the wheel and really we've just made the wheel roll maybe in a different direction and w- roll a little faster towards something else. Um, and also oddly, when I was a freshman at Vanderbilt, um, this was part of like freshman, uh, like, you know, kind of introduction, like mandatory um, seminars that we had to go to that, that alcohol was a, a social lubricant uh, and obviously all that can go wrong with that on a college campus. Um, I forgot about that until you, I heard you say the quote back to me out loud. Um, but again, you know, back to business, you know, again, it is, we're not going to reinvent the wheel, even though, this, you know, we feel like we've never seen any of this happen in the adult beverage industry. Um, you know, we probably have. So, um, but it's just happening faster, you know, more publicly and, you know, with, you know, it tastes different, so to speak. So uh, I'm excited to hear what all the other panelists have to say about that as well. Thank you very much. We'll get into the social lubricant as we move on. I want to cover the rest of the quotes. And Mary Guyver sent us a quote from a singing group. They're an American hip hop duo named Atmosphere. I have never ever crossed paths with them, heard their music, even knew about them. They're from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm sure that means something to somebody. But their names are the rapper Slug, whose original name was Sean Daly, and DJ producer Ant, Anthony Davis. And since 1996, when they formed the duo, they've released 11 studio albums and 10 EPs. That's extended plays. Oh, my goodness. And here is the quote. Mary, you're going to have to. It sounds like a stretch. I can't wait to hear what this has to do with our topic. The quote is, those are your shoes. These are my shoes. We've got issues. Mary, rescue me. What is this about? I am exactly in line with what Lisa just said. I was paralyzed trying to figure out the quote. I, I, I'm not kidding. I probably spent over an hour trying to find a song. Like I sent you one that was not from a movie or a song and then was slapped back down and had to go find something else. So I, I really struggled because I love music and there's so many great lyricists out there. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And that one just kept repeating in my head for some weird reason. It is from a song that is 100% not... PG. <laughs> um, uh, but I do think I, I, I can make a connection here. Um, yeah. First of all, I think that Atmosphere is a great, they're an incredible group. They're also, um, they have forged their own um, way of doing things. They haven't, they haven't signed to a major label. All of those records that they've put out have been independent. Um, they're committed to being kind of like this, like craft, uh, authentic, high integrity music group um, and doing everything kind of DIY, which I fully respect. And I think it resonates a lot with what we see in kind of the grassroots craft movement and, and alcohol and that you can you can still stake a claim in a space that's bowled over by major labels. <laughs> um, so I, I, I respect them for that. I think that specific quote um, resonated a little bit when I was thinking about it in terms of what's happened in the past couple of years, especially with spirits and RTDs and this kind of fourth category, which I know we're going to unpack later, but this, this new, um, more difficult to define category that consumers are moving towards. You have beer with their shoes, you've got wine in their shoes. And suddenly they're like, we've got some issues. Like we, (laughs) beer is growing because of non-beer products as a category in a lot of ways. 
um, wine is shifting from the classic to something that's not 10 years ago was probably unimaginable. So it's a really interesting space where everybody's scrambling to adapt. And that once upon a time, it was very distinctly one or the other and, and maybe some spirits thrown in there. But now it's, it's, I think everybody's scrambling to try to figure out how best to like actually identify where they're different and where they're the same and where they can all kind of come together and evolve. Is that enough of a stretch for you? <laughs> Mary, I want everybody to give Mary a round of applause. That was good. Mary, Mary, was beautifully done. I didn't know <laughs> that finding quotes were the hardest part of my show. It's Lisa. so hard. I didn't know. You know, the fallback quote, there's a couple of fallback quotes. One is from Top Gun, where Tom Cruise character Maverick says, I feel the need, the need for speed, which applies to any industry today, right? To do what you have to do. And the other one is uh, from Back to the Future. Marty McFly says to Doc Brown, uh, or Doc Brown says, where we're going, we won't need roads, meaning in the future, everything's going to be a, a different landscape. And then the other one is from Finding Nemo, where Dory, the blue tang, with a little bit of a difficulty here, uh, captured vocally by Ellen DeGeneres, says, just keep swimming, 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 just keep swimming, swimming. So those are the fallback quotes that people usually go back to if they can't think of it. Mary, that was wonderful. I really <laughs> appreciate it. And now I have to go listen. And when I saw that their names were slug and and it reminded me there's a children's book comes a little little tiny andrew a little book size have you ever seen it it was a stitched cover called ant and b the adventures of ant and b and my kids grew up with those and so when i saw slug and ant i said wait a minute is that and no not even close bonnie so let's move on mary bravo very well done you had us all curious andrew has picked a, a lovely line from a beatles song it's by the beatles of course 1967 album sergeant pepper's lonely Hi, sergeant pepper's lonely i try not to sing on the show uh, written by lennon and mccartney and sung by ringer ringo star the drummer and it was his lead vocal for the album it's the second track in the album and it segues from the applause of at the end of sergeant pepper's song and the quote is i get by with a little help from my friends so the title of the song is with a little help from my friends and andrew talk to me how'd you find this lovely line go ahead well one beatles is a religion in my household and at my <laughs> my uh my little boys uh, are especially excited about the Beatles these days. So uh, it, that was top of mind. But secondly, yeah, I can tie it back to business. Um, you know, I left corporate America to start my own thing because I kind of wanted to have more control. And I've learned that in this highly regulated industry, um, you still need help from your friends. And so in our situation, I think everyone probably knows this, but there's three tiers to liquor. So I'm a supplier. I physically make the product. Then I have to work with the wholesalers. And in every state, there's a different wholesaler. And then I have to work through the retail channels. And then, again, there's multiple retail channels. It could be your traditional liquor stores, or it could be uh, hospitality, or it could even be, in this new world, e-commerce. So we'll talk about those mm -hmm. as we go along. But in order for me to succeed and for all of us to succeed, and we all want to succeed, I have to work with the help of my friends. So that's been a really interesting part of learning this industry and learning how to navigate these regulations and rules and uh, how to just get our product in the hands of the people that want it the best. So uh, that, that's the other fallback quote I was going to say was actually another John Lennon quote was going to be, um, give me some truth. Uh, Cause we can talk about this too, but this category is full of a lot of fakers and a lot of people like we're talking mm -hmm. a bit like, about confusion between malt and wine and spirits. And uh, you know, I think this whole category can use some authenticity and some people to tell the truth. So that's what we do here at Post Meridium, but uh, I can talk about that later. 
Thank you, Andrew. And and you bring up an interesting point. I've, I've done shows, not recently, on blockchain. And mm-hmm. I know that blockchain is being used to authenticate mm-hmm. very high-end bottles that are commanding hundreds or thousands of dollars of vintage but well-preserved wine is how do you know you're not getting something that's a, a tinted grape juice in a bottle that you paid $1,000 for. And the issue of blockchain being that, that un- immutable chain of uh, the trusted chain of handling of of an item from source to to the buyer. So you brought that very very interesting. Thank you so much. And I, and Andrew, I have to tell you, I'm glad that you're helping to perpetuate the popularity of the Beatles. Somebody said to me recently, my music. I come from the rock and roll era, Elvis Presley, uh, Motown, uh, Donna Summer, the disco era. And the question is, how does that music, which is still very entertaining and and valuable to the lore of music and culture, how does it get passed down to other generations. So when you say the Beatles are, are like like a, a religion in your house, I'm happy to hear that you are perpetuating the wonderfulness of the Beatles music. We'll leave that there. So I say thank you, Dad. Not my dad. Thank you, Dad. In advance of Father's Day, you're, you're, yes, let's leave that there. I'm getting all tongue-tied here. Nicolette Conran has sent us a wonderful quote. I have no idea how it relates to the topic, but I think she's going to tell us. And the quote is from Ron Swanson, played by Nick Offerman in the show Parks and Recreation, which has been shortened to Parks and Rec, R-E-C, American political satire mockumentary sitcom television series on NBC from April 9th, 2009. More information you wanted to know to February 24th, 2015. 125 episodes, seven seasons, and here is the quote. There has never been a sadness that can't be cured by breakfast food. Nicolette, you got to bail us out on this one. We're talking about beer and hard seltzer here and CBD beverages. Go ahead, Nicolette. (laughs) Well, listen, I have to agree. The quote thing like totally befuddled me. I picked like seven and I was like, had all these really great ideas. And then I just falling back on Ron Swanson, at least, you know, that's just, you can't go wrong with Ron Swanson. And a lot of what I was going to talk about was uh, the simplicity, how the market is really moving towards a simpler approach as far as uh, beer, seltzer, all of those things kind of in in my sector. um, I feel like the consumer knows what they want and they just want that. And that's the thing. And um, (laughs) I mean, breakfast food is that, it's simple. And just knowing what you want, knowing that this is what's going to fix it. I mean, come on, it's a stretch, but like, I made it work. And it's Ron Swanson. You get, I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And perpetuating the myth of Parks and Rec. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have never seen the show. Oh, I, you've got to see the show. I'm, I'm binge watching the 2016 extension of the British uh, kind of a soapy comedy drama called Cold Feet, if you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating. And they had seven seasons. They call them series in England. They don't call them seasons. It's seasons in the U.S. And then they took a 13-year break and reunited most of the cast. 13 years with most of the same people. And it, it's a fascinating. But what fascinates me is that a lot of the actors I've seen in other shows like MI5 Spooks and, and uh, New Tricks. And, and I'm seeing the same actors coming and going across the spectrum of British TV. And it fascinates. Oh, I know her. She was a spy and I know him. He was this trainer. And I'm, I'm looking them up on Wikipedia and saying, where did I see him? And anyway, it's a very interesting show. So that's what I'm binging. When I'm done with the rest of that, I will go see Parks and Rec, I promise, Nicola. Thank you. I think you'll like it. 
This is the part of the show where we finally get to the predictions. Plenty of time, my guests have sent me predictions. Lisa Allen wrote four great American novels for her predictions. So what I'm going to do is start off with Lisa's prediction number one. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, we are live on Facebook. We're live on LinkedIn. We're live on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It is Wednesday, June 9th. Oh, my goodness. How did we get to the almost middle of June in 2021 when we breathlessly awaited the end of 2020? And here we are almost halfway through and the world is coming back to life. And we're talking today about an interesting topic, the future of beer, CBD beverages. I don't think we've touched on those yet. Hard seltzer and technology. We're getting that in the glass somewhere. Drink up. And I have my, yeah, we don't know what this. Everybody hold up something. We drinking up there, Andrew. There you go. Nicolette and Mary, you got something to drink? There you go. We decided we would all all have a drink on air. There we go. So that's what we're talking about today. So Lisa Allen, I'm going to read just the first line or two of your prediction number one, which was hugely interesting to me, and ask you to spend around three minutes talking about it. Then I will pick a prediction from your list, Mary. I'll put it in the chat for you. Then one from Andrew, one from Nicolette, and let's see how many. Now, if you have a comment on what somebody else is predicting, just raise your hand as they're finishing and I will get you in on the conversation. So Lisa says, the beverage industry will continue to diversify with alternative beverages such as CBD, no and low alcohol, better for you, RTDs, ready to drink cocktails, Andrew knows about that, but can all of this displace the power of the traditional adult beverage industry? Is it here to stay? So let's find out what you're predicting here. Lisa Allen, go ahead. Thanks a lot. You know, it's, uh, you know, some of the predictions are really, there's, I think, a big question mark, a bigger question mark than normal around any prediction, at least for me, because of the past year and a half that we've all lived through in this industry. So many changes were forced upon producers like Andrew, retailers like Whole Foods, um, and wholesalers like me, consumers, as to what we could buy, where we could buy it, when we could buy it, where we can consume it, et cetera. Um, and so a lot of a lot of things changed. Um, and so uh, you know, for me, it's you know, will all of that stick? I'm not sure. Just because you know, Mary mentioned in some of her intro, you know, the big powerful brands, you know, they only get bigger, and I think probably only got bigger in some ways during COVID and the pandemic. Uh, they did it by diversifying and kind of you know latching on to some of the trends. They didn't want to be left behind. There's definitely some I think FOMO. And not unlike when Coca-Cola finally got in the water business, they resisted for years and years and years and finally had to jump in. So, you know, and that can change an industry and further, I think, um, solidify something in in the space. But also, we're all creatures of habit. I think, you know, categorically humans, we don't love change. You know, we had a lot forced upon us and we all adapted and, and did it sometimes begrudgingly and sometimes we just, you know, again, soldiered through. Um, and drank more for some people did too. But will we all revert back to old habits? You know, do we want to continue to buy things online because now we actually can go to the store more freely, or we can go sit with friends and family at events and gather together and enjoy beverages uh, at restaurants, uh, event venues, etc. So you know, I don't know. It's going to be really, really interesting. Um, and will the big guys just throw weight around and kind of? convince us once again that this is what we want and need is the traditional beer, the traditional wine in its traditional vessel, in its traditional setting. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. That's why the question mark, I'm not trying to be vague, but there's oh. just so much that's unknown uh, because we've never lived through this before. And, uh, you know, again, yeah, how much do we want to 
embrace what we have you know, embarked upon and how much will we be like, eh, I like the way we did it before. Lisa, I appreciate your bringing up the point of the question mark. I've, I've never had a guest in all my shows say a prediction can carry a question mark because we are predicting. We are giving our knowledge or our wishes and hopes and dreams into something that may or may not happen. So I appreciate your nuancing that prediction. Thank you. What, what are you drinking, Lisa? We got to know. Um, this is a new product that we've got in our warehouse in Atlanta called Mad Bubbles. So I brought this because we are talking a lot about alternative as far as packaging is concerned and certainly canned beverages be them cbd waters hard seltzers cocktails uh wine uh in a can all of this is new ish and has definitely been you know far you know better adopted by the consumer um again some of it was forced upon us uh, because it's single serve it's ready to drink it's portable etc so that's what i'm having uh this morning i don't have any orange juice i'm going Straight up with my bubbles this morning. Great bubbles. Thank you very much. Mary Guyver, I'm looking at your prediction number one. The title of the show is The Future of Beer. That's where we started out with when we added all the other beverages. So you say Beyond Beer. And you have capital B for beyond, capital B for beer. We'll continue to drive the growth of the beer segment for years to come, excuse me, beyond beer. And I asked you to define that. Hard seltzer, hard kombucha, I hope I'm saying that right. Flavored malt beverages, hard coffee, and more. Mary, let's get a lesson from you. What does all this mean? And what is beyond beer in your, what's the prediction? Go ahead, Mary. Um, Yeah, we... I think we've seen over the past, even pre-pandemic, that the the hard seltzer share of wallet that was kind of coming out of the beer shopper um, was growing exponentially and where traditional beer might be kind of flat or even losing share in some cases, um, seltzer was increasingly growing. So when you took a step back and looked at the beer category, it was growing overall and it felt really good and then you would figure out why. And it wasn't necessarily coming from traditional beer. Um, But that said, um, and I'll, I'll circle back on like some of those like other categories that are showing up in this beyond beer umbrella. But uh, I totally agree with what Lisa was saying. Like we get hung up in this, what this bubble of what's growing. Um, and a lot of suppliers really want to focus on that and get in on that game, whether they're starting out or they're um, trying to transition from being a brewery that makes beer to this or um, a hard, you know, water producer that's trying to make a hard seltzer. Like everybody kind of wants in on this space and by and large, we, we stopped talking about beer and beer is a really big part of our business. Like it remains a big part of our business. There's a huge shopper that still wants their beer. Um, and so it's really important to strike a balance between where the growth is happening and where there's still a bulk of sales and a lot of shoppers who want what they're comfortable with, what they're familiar with. Um, and, and they don't need this fourth category, this beyond beer category. So within beyond beer, we see a lot of growth in hard seltzer in terms of just the sheer number of items that are coming out, brands that are trying to get in on that space and, and capture some of that. Um, and, and now people are, now suppliers are looking for a, a different way to, and we, we actually as a retailer advise them to do this, but you have to find a way to differentiate. You can't show up and try to be the next White Claw. Like you have to have a way to, to say that you should try this instead of White Claw. Um, not to name names, but they are a beast. <laughs> like if people want to drink White Claw, why should they deviate and buy your brand? Um, so what we're seeing now are, are folks trying to look into um, additional attributes, right? Lower, ca- even lower calorie, even less sugar, um, different flavor profiles made with natural juice, local. Like if we're a local hard seltzer, like that's why you should support us. So um, there's also a lot of initiatives around like we support the community. We do like there's a lot that mm-hmm. people try to lean on to set themselves apart. And I think they're going to have to 
Um, and alongside that, you've got things like hard kombucha that's coming up. That is, it's not, it's not brewed. It's, 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 it's not a malt base. It's a tea that you can make. Um, and, and it's low calorie, it's low sugar. It's got naturally occurring probiotics. Like here comes this new wave of, they embody all of these attributes um, and they have a different flavor profile. And, and beyond that, like, I think everybody's exploring this space. Sorry, I'm, I'm like on a tangent here. No, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think it's just important that we not only, we, we can't abandon beer in the name of the growth segment of beer. They, they have to, to happen in tandem. In that British, I'm going to call on Mary and then on Nicolette. I saw you both raise your hand. In that uh, Cold Feet, the, the British show, where do the guys go? They go to the pub and they say, have a pint? Fancy a pint? That's the answer. It's either ale or it's beer. It's something. That's all they're drinking. The women more into the wine and the cocktails on these series, but the men, it's fancy a pint, and that means that's where we're going. Same with Inspector Morris, that series, and Endeavor. They were always drinking a pint, so there you go. Lisa, talk to me. What do you think? I just actually have a question because I've, ne- I've never I've been to plenty of industry, you know, kind of in-person symposiums before they were shut down, and then, of course, uh, online. Mary, but I'm curious, do you guys have any insight, like, why, like, why hard seltzer? Why did that happen? And, you know, you know, I, I, you can see the trend, like when you don't have events any longer, you can't just shove Bud, Bud Light and Coors Light down people's throat. I went to a baseball game recently. So that's a choice. So consumption can, you know, grow again for those, you know, legacy type brands. But do you guys have any insight as to why the, I mean, I know it's, it's the TTB puts it into the malt category, you know, hard seltzers and stuff. But like, why did that beer drinker, or, and it, was it the craft beer drinker or was it the mainstream beer drinker who kind of at least temporarily dipped their toe in another pool or abandoned the category altogether for hard seltzer? Was it more flavor? Was it perceived to be you know, again better for you because of natural ingredients? Like what happened? Why did people go there? Yeah, that's a great question that we, we ask that a lot, right? Who is the shopper? Because when you're a brick and mortar retailer, you need to figure out if that space is growing, where do you take space from? Are they coming from beer? Um, are they coming from wine? Are they coming from vodka soda folks, right? So what we've unpacked is that there's a, there's a Venn diagram across all categories and everybody kind of entered into this space. And I like intuitively what we've seen in a lot of, I would say intuitively, I'm not going to get into like, we have panel to back this up, but we know that shoppers are looking for something that's better for me. It's lower calorie, it's lower sugar, it's gluten-free and it's bubbly. They want bubbles it's the, 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 the um, club soda drinker, the, the Topo Chico drinker, the LaCroix drinker. Like this is just a way for them to have a little bit more fun with something that they feel like is better for them, but has flavor in it and it's refreshing. Um, and I think that the common thread in, across all of these beyond beer categories is that it's gluten-free, that it's bubbly, that it's lower sugar and lower uh, carbs. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for lower calories. And, and, Final thing I'll say on that, because again, I can go on and on. Um, that that cate- the Beyond Beer group of categories seem to be more willing to be transparent. So you're seeing products come out with a full nutrition panel and ingredients mm-hmm. that the shopper who is trying to be health conscious when they're making a choice in adult beverage have everything in front of them. And they don't find that in a lot of beer, <laughs> most beer. Yep. And they don't find that in a lot of wine. Yep. So. Here's here. If you're like, I'm just trying to make some changes in my life and here's something that's delicious. And I know exactly what I'm looking at when I'm putting this into my body. Like you're, you feel better about it. You feel a little bit more in control, I would think. And you still get the enjoyment. Nicolette, you want to chime in on this. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I've got a couple of things. Um, as far as I completely agree, I think it's moving in a more health conscious direction. I mean, health, con- let's be honest, we're talking about alcohol here, but I mean, <laughs> in comparatively a more health conscious direction and, and people that are, are more interested in seeing what they're drinking on a regular basis. And that moves me into, I mean, I think that there's space here for all of these things. I can speak for myself as a consumer. I mean, at night with dinner, I'm going to drink my wine. You know, when I'm at a brewery or when I'm like really wanting a nice stiff beverage, like with uh, my lunch, for example, let's, we're all in the alcohol industry. We all drink alcohol for lunch as well, but then I'm going to want a really good, well-crafted beer, you know, but if I'm out on the boat, if I'm out at the beach, if I'm doing something outdoors, I want my seltzer, man. And I don't think that that uh, diminishes my love and my respect for the craft beer industry. I mean, my God, it's been paying my bills for a long time. I love it. And I think that there's, uh, you know, there's room for that in addition to this other area. And like you said, you mentioned the Venn diagram. I mean, I can attest to that as a consumer because I like my different and I mean, I'm not leaving you out, Andrew. Believe me, I do like a good cocktail as well. But, you know, there's there's room here. And I think um, it's kind of diversifying the drinker um, as opposed to diversifying the products. It's, it's you know, people have more options for different areas. You know, you're not just a wine drinker anymore. You're like, oh, I like wine and I also like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also hate to call out White Claw, but let's be honest, that... It's the same with Bud Light and, you know, the Bud Houses and the Coors, the Miller Light and the Coors Light and all of those, as far as the White Claws and the Trulies. I mean, there's always going to be these big guys in the world. And um, I think that just like craft beer, nobody really thought it was going to stick around for as long as it had because they're like, oh, well, you know, everybody's just going to revert back to their their fail-safe Bud Light. I think it's going to happen in the seltzer area eventually too, which sounds a little... Um, I mean, that's a little bit of a prediction, I suppose, but I think people are going to start figuring out the ones that they want and steer away from the big guys, just like they did with craft beer. Thank you very much, Mary. That was a good conversation starter. Thank you for that. Andrew, I want to go to your prediction number two, and this is, he's talking about the changing of the market. He says, beer fatigue begot the rise of seltzers. Seltzer fatigue will beget the rise of canned cocktails. We are already seeing seltzers with higher ABVs. You're going to explain that to me. And more cocktail-like flavors. Andrew says he sees these as leading indicators. Andrew, what's the wisdom here? Talk to me. Yeah, no, I think this is a very interesting conversation. I really relished hearing everyone's opinion on all the above and, and more importantly, the data that went into it. So coming from you know, formal corporate America, yes, I spend way too much time looking at data and thinking about data. And that's helped inform the decision that I made. I think that consumers are on a journey from, you know, they start out drinking with you know, their mainstream beers and they understand there's something of a little higher quality and authenticity in craft beers and they seek that out. And for whatever reasons, and we talked about a few of them, whether it's health and wellness and other things, they do kind of go into the seltzer category. And then they realize that a lot of those seltzers are authentic and they start getting into spirit-based seltzers or looking for things that are a little more spirit forward. And that's kind of where I decided to play, which is again, in this whole beyond a beer category. So, you know, um, and getting back to Mary's point about differentiation, that's the other reason that we exist is because we didn't want to be just another seltzer or just another, um, you know, Me Too product. We wanted to create something that was truly authentic and unique. And so I believe that, uh, you know, again, following this journey that people are going to be, you know, a little bit tired of seltzers and want something with a little bit higher alcohol by volume. That's what ABV means for, stands for. And they'll want more authenticity. 
And so that's kind of, you know, we've created cocktails to kind of catch those people as they trade up from seltzers to something a little more authentic and something a little more, um, you know, transparent. And so, you know, I just think that this trend is already happening. And again, there's kind of two ways to be health, healthy in, in, in this, you know, I say healthy with terms healthy, because mm-hmm. as we know, alcohol is not always healthy, but you can either for, go for calorie avoidance, which seltzers do very well, or chemical avoidance, which is what, you know, for example, we do well. Um, but overall, I do think that, uh, you know, this new trend of people experimenting and hitting new occasions and hitting new reasons to drink and new opportunities for companies like us, I think they exist. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Lisa, go ahead. I've got a question for Andrew, and it kind of relates back to things with Mary and, and also me and all of us. We're all here because we have a lot of overlap. But when I was living in San Francisco, my corner market, because um, I live right by Dolores Park. So, you know, take any great park in any city. And that's what Dolores Park is in San Francisco, a place where everyone gathers when the weather is nice. And I mean, countless packs of white claw, countless packs. And my corner store and would, was telling me, though, that, you know, this, you know, on average millennial consumer who, you know, potentially was making choices for, I mean, A, it was portable, it's in a can, it's a good price point, all those other things are fine, but they were also buying either half pints or mini bottles of liquor to spike the hard seltzer. So, two questions is, you know, so A, are they kind of full of crap that they really want this better for you, low alk, you know, lower calorie thing when they're just going to add all, all of the, you know, big brand liquor like the Tito's vodka into it, you know, and or Andrew, do you get concerned being, a, you know, a ready to drink actual, I mean, again, lovely, delicious cocktails. And if anyone hasn't tried his products, you should, they're delicious. But um, are you ever concerned about that consumer who's going to just say, ah, screw it, I'll buy the Truly or the White Claw, and I'm just going to dump in some JD, some Tito's some whatever we want in it to spike it up? No, that's a great question. I mean, I do think that seltzers and my cocktails, for example, have different occasions. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. we heard that a minute ago. That's you're right. Multiple drinkers drink yep. different things at different times. But that being said, conversely, I hear about people adding Topo Chico to my margarita just because they think it's a little bit too strong and they want to kind of like water. it. So that being, yeah, like everyone's got their own drinking profiles mm-hmm. and what they're looking for in those certain occasions. But, you know, I would argue, um, yes, uh, I think adding whether you're adding liquor to a seltzer or adding seltzer to art there that's that's one way to do it um to kind of meet in the middle to get best of both worlds um you know but i think you know again it just comes back to what the consumer needs at that one exact moment in time and and how much they're willing to sacrifice in terms of calories or chemicals or whatever else that they're trying to think about as they consume thank you very much i want to move on to a prediction from nicolette conran and i'm going to prediction number three nicolette i was going to go to one and we'll get to that later but this is interesting nicolette says cbd beverages yeah we got to talk about this will bring mental health to the top of the conversation that's a very bold statement nicolette talk to us what do you think leave it to me for the bold statements (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think you know we have been we've all mentioned it now so far already um consumers are are moving in a more health conscious direction, whether it be with their alcohol consumption or just their general beverage consumption. And, you know, with CBD entering the chat, so to speak, um, it's, I feel like there's been a lot of conversation uh, more publicly than ever before about why people want to consume this, why they're moving away from alcohol in some particular occasions and moving towards CBD or why there is a different, you know, category altogether kind of 
been created there. And, and with the why comes the answer. It's, it's mostly, you know, people who are trying to stay away from alcohol because of addiction issues. It's people who are trying to manage their anxiety in a more, uh, you know, friendly way to their body. It's people who, um, are, are struggling with different things, uh, even just, you know, chronic pain and, and whatnot. I think it's, with the entrance of a beverage like this comes the why would you drink it and uh, it gets you talking about stuff that I feel like wasn't discussed ever in this category because I mean why would you you don't want to talk about alcohol issues when you're in the beverage world that's just part of it but um, it's been an interesting uh, journey dealing with both this seltzer and beer um, as far as CBD is concerned because you know there is an area there where it can coexist with these other things mm-hmm. um, for example like I'll mix a CBD in between like if I'm drinking with friends I'll have a CBD water in between there to just kind of cool off a little bit and so I mean I think it's a lovely thing to happen just socially in general to just kind of start this conversation and um, and address it Thank you very much. Very interesting. Um, any comments about what, Nicolette? No, everybody's quiet on that one. Lisa. I mean, the CBD, go, yeah, go the CBD space is going to be interesting just because, you know, there's no formal regulation structure around it, right? It's still a federally pro- banned substance, if you will. And obviously certain states have taken it upon themselves and have varying degrees of openness, we'll call it, for the market and what types of products are available in those local markets. And But CBD is super interesting. It's unlike everything else we've talked about today, it's the only one that has multiple consumption opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, you can inhale it, you can eat it, you can have it infused into a beverage and drink it. So you can't do that with any, with beer, the hard seltzer, the wine, or the spirits. You know, those come one way only, which is a drink. Um, and so CBD has a really interesting future, but it is the biggest question mark of all of them, just because, you know, like alcohol, you know, we are, you know, uh, you know, handcuffed in some ways. And I mean, there's some just really strong, tall guardrails around everything that we can do and how we talk about it, how we promote it, how we price it, how we merchandise it. All of those things come into play. And we don't have that for CBD yet. Um, and so as you know, kind of the green rush happened where people can actually grow cannabis, um, you've seen again, you know, an influx of people wanting to back to some of Mary's comments, you know, be on a bandwagon, be part of that, or any kind of trend and not miss out on an opportunity simply to perhaps make money and get and or get new consumers or just not lose consumers to someone else. Um, but it is going to be really interesting. And it is a way for people to participate um, without kind of the uh, impact uh, of how alcohol does alter one's, you know, kind of state of mind. Thank you, Lisa. I was going to go to your prediction about regulation, but I think you touched on it. So, mm-hmm. Mary, I'm going to foist this on you without putting it into the chat. I'm looking at prediction number three. You say initiatives will continue growing as a focal point for shopper selection. Better for we is more important than it's ever been. And brands will need to get creative in their ability to share the message. Better for we, better the community, the environment. So, Mary, this might be our last prediction. We've got six minutes left. Mary, you want to briefly touch on this for me, please? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, and I know that's a very Whole Foods thing to say, so I'm just going to go ahead and call it what it is. But um, <laughs> we, we truly, like going back to my original comments about how folks can differentiate, I, it's my understanding that a lot of the younger consumers that are entering into the drinking world, um, the, the Gen Z and, and, and the even younger generation that's about to round the corner, they're very, very conscious of putting their, like, money into a brand that they feel like is actually going to make their community a better place. So whether you're talking about um, 
uh, a brand that plants a tree for every case that they sell or uh, someone that gives back to their local um, no-kill animal shelter or something. They're, people can feel better about choosing one brand or, over another in a lot of instances when they know that there's some additional initiatives behind that brand. Um, it, this is something that is also another question mark is like, for me, for us, probably those of us who watch this craft beer wave rise to where it is, local was the most important thing a lot of the time. Like you were like, this is the hyper local. This is the hard to get. Like, this is super cool. Um, and I'm starting to hear whispers that this just doesn't resonate the same way that it used to in terms of like, they might be super local, but if they're not involved in the community in any way, like, and this other brewery that's less local, that's more regional does give back, like, the decision-making is a little bit different. So I, I'm curious what this group thinks about that. Um, if you've heard similar, if this is a very strictly whole foods place to be in terms of a mentality, and it certainly doesn't shut us off from participating and partnering with brands that don't have those. But those are questions we ask because in the name of differentiation and kind of mm -hmm. leading the charge and like what the future looks like for this industry to be a little bit more community focused, uh, it's something that we discuss a lot. Let's go around the table briefly. I want to sneak in one more prediction from Nicolette, and we only have three minutes left. So just quickly, Lisa, agree or disagree with what Mary and then Andrew and then Nicolette, I'll get to your prediction. Lisa, quickly, what do you think about what Mary posed? You know, I think she's right. I mean, again, most people are going to make a decision on, you know, I don't know if it matters as much as people say it does. You know, there's an article in the Mark Brown report today about that exact topic around wine specifically and decision making. You know, people, because people continue to want wine in 750 glass, it's the least sustainable choice ever. And so, you know, kind of people don't necessarily put their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm. Literally speaking. Andrew, you want to weigh in on that one too? Yeah. One of the things I learned at Coca-Cola was all things being equal. Yes. People will use that as a decision maker and they want to work with the brands to give back. But the question is, when are all things equal? So I, I say that sadly, because I'm very passionate about, you know, sustainability and, and giving back, but I'm a little concerned the average consumer doesn't think that way. Interesting. Mm. Nicolette, thoughts on this one? I unfortunately think that with uh, these newer generations being so involved in social media, it's more about the look. It's not actually about the effort. And I hate to say that, believe me, it, it hurts my whole soul. It just, it doesn't feel good at all. And we think it's, you know, we take part in our community as much as possible as for a business can. But I, I think a lot of it doesn't actually come from, a place of, of wholesomeness and it is just kind of the vibe, the vibe that it creates. And it's a shame, but. Um. Mary, go ahead. You get the last word. Go ahead, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not even a comment. It's more like, does this group think that that's something that our industry should be baking into our, our strategy as we move forward? Raise your hand if it's a yes. If it's a yes. Nicolette, one line here. Last one. Right. Future of hard seller, hard seltzer will be driven by celebrities. Is anybody at the forefront of that drive right now? Any celebrities you can name drop? I mean, I, I cannot name drop. <laughs> but okay. I thought I'd <laughs> challenge you on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gordon Ramsay is coming out with one. I mean, I can tell you some of the ones that are coming out now, but I think, uh, you know, with everybody hunkering down the past year, uh, the celebrity push has really been a thing and they're adopting brands and pushing them in their own ways. Um, okay. I mean, it's a land shark phenomenon with Jimmy Buffett, honestly. It's, a, it's an influencer's world, right? I want to thank all of you so much. Lisa Allen, shout out to Doug Bell, who's not with us today. Stephanie Lee, thank you to the three of you for a 
assembling this wonderful panel. Thank you to Lisa Allen. You could wave goodbye. Mary Guyver, mm-hmm. wave goodbye. Andrew Rodbell, wave goodbye. Nicola Conran. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio Voice America, the business channel. He started out with me three years ago at the age of 28. He's 68 now. He's aged indefinitely. Just, no, my shows are very demanding. Aaron, we love you. And I have a message for my listeners. If somebody says to you, the future is already here, everybody on the panel, wave your finger right now. Wag your finger. The answer is no, no, no. That was yesterday's future. Today's future is about to happen, and we're going to make it a better one. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, LinkedIn. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Voice America. Bye-bye. Bye. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.